the Undecided Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jonathan and David. Today is Saturday morning, April 10th, 2021. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing great, Daniel. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing amazing, man. Jonathan, for some reason, your microphone quality is just insane right now. Dude, I could say the same right back at you guys, man. What changed? I don't know, man. It, we probably got sponsored or something. <laughs> Yeah, what are you we, doing this week? Um, this past week was okay. Um, actually, work was still intensive, but I got into a flow state of work this past week. And typically, when I go into a flow state for work, typically for like a couple hours or like maybe just an entire day's worth of work where I'm just in the flow, this entire week felt like I was in the flow. That was the first time I experienced a flow state for that long. And that's actually something I want to talk about with you guys later. But uh, I haven't heard from David. David, how was your week? Been good, man. It's been a week since I moved back up with some friends. It's a lot of fun. Kind of hard doing work. But I'm getting back in the groove, setting my uh, my routines. It's been good, though. How's your week? Do you have a journal that you write into? Oh yeah, we I started that this week because of our discussion we're gonna have today. For my week, it was it was a really good week on like the social front. I had a really good week like catching up with people and like making plans and doing things on the social front, but in terms of of school and work, it's been kind of a uh, it hasn't been the best week for me, honestly. I feel like I'm just realizing my priorities and we can talk about that. Yeah, Jonathan. So uh, can you just remind the audience what we did last week, just in case they didn't listen to last week's podcast? Yeah, for sure, Dan. So last week we started something called the Good Time Journal. It's a log of our daily activities and we write down when we felt engaged and energized and what we were doing in those exact moments. And then conversely, we write down what moments we felt very unenergized and thought that we were very it was very unnecessary to do and so i think dan why don't you go ahead and start us off yeah so do you want me to just go through my week on like what i did or how, how do you want to do this why don't how, okay why don't i start it off then is that okay for sure yeah Sounds so good. i wrote a bunch of stuff down for every day of the past week but I want to share a couple highlights and lowlights of this past week, right? Mm -hmm. So a couple highlights. There was this moment last Sunday when it was starting to snow really bad. And I was walking back from campus and I just got a bunch of work done with my friend. Her name is Lydia. And we we're just walking back and we we're just chatting about life. And it was just snowing really hard and it felt like I was in a like a snow globe and I just felt like wow it felt like I was at the right place at the right time you know second thing I wanted to talk about was these this flow state I've been all week right for some reason work this week has been really engaging for me I didn't treat it as something as though I had to get over but rather it's something I can finally enjoy learning and I try to figure out exactly why that was the case, but that's a later discussion. And so how I want to break down these little activities is into five categories. Okay. The book, um, Designing Your Life, talks about it as the A-E-I-O-U approach. 
where you want to talk about your the activity you were doing. What were you actually doing? Was it structured or unstructured? What kind of environment were you in? Were you at a football stadium, a cathedral? You know, was it a study area, quiet area, loud area? And then what were you interacting with? This is the eye of the EIOU. So were you talking with people or were you interacting with machines? Was it a formal interaction or an informal interaction? And then the last two objects is, were you interacting with any objects or devices like an iPad smartphone? Did they support or go against whether you were engaged or not? And lastly, user was who else was there and what role did they play in your making it a positive or negative experience? So I want to kind of delve deeper into these two highlights from this kind of perspective, right? So what was I actually doing with Lydia? I was chatting with her about our future five years in our lives. It was a unstructured activity and it was very cathartic as well as very eye-opening listening to a girl's perspective for how the next five, 10 years of their lives pan out because she was telling me how like her parents kind of wanted her to get married and like eventually have children and stuff like that and the societal expectations from that. So very eye-opening activity environment. The reason why I mentioned the snow thing was that it was, it wasn't even cold, but like the environment was just really nice to talk to someone about things. I wasn't interacting with any objects or devices. And I think it was just the environment played the biggest role in that engagement because it felt like as though it was just me and her in the snow globe talking about life. And that's just one highlight that I want to mention. The other highlight is like prolonged flow state I was in all week. I was interacting with my computer because I was coding. And what was really cool is like at some moment in the flow, I kind of broke where I was just like, dang, I'm super engaged. Like the code to me no longer feels like something I'm trying to wrestle with, but it's now becoming a tool for me to develop really cool products, you know? And I had a, I gave my parents a call because it wasn't even that long ago when I was struggling AP computer science in high school. And I had asked my mom to find a computer science tutor for me. And I remember no one was willing to tutor and there was literally no tutors back then. Finally, she found one, a connection from church. And I remember like we paid like $80 an hour for one hour of coding session and what the hell is a high school student who barely knows any code going to take away from an hour's worth of code i just remember struggling really hard back then it was just a good moment to realize that i can get into the flow now with code um yeah those are two highlights of my week right on man that sounds sounds like a pretty good pretty good week man yeah thanks. Uh, just wanted to follow up so i just wanted to just clarify some terms like i was thinking about like during the week and as well as like when you were talking. So can we just define what it means by flow state and what it means yeah. by engagement? Because as I was like thinking about like the things I did uh, throughout the week, I was like, I don't really enjoy this stuff, but is this considered mm-hmm. being engaged? You know what I mean? So yeah, that's a total, that's a great question. So how the book defines flow is a state of total engagement. When it's like engagement on steroids and it's a state of being where time stands still, 
and you're immersed in the activity that you're doing and immersed in the challenge that that particular activity poses. Kind of like when you're a lot of snowboarders talk about the flow, right? When they're just in the zone, going down a line, experiencing complete involvement in the activity. You feel a sense of uh, euphoria during whilst doing that kind of activity. Or it could be that you're totally calm and at peace. So one one extreme is you're ecstatic, right? Euphoric because you're you're going down a line snowboarding. Or you could be totally calm and at, completely at peace in time where completely still, you know? So that's how the book defines flow. Do you think that's a good enough operational definition for us? Yeah, uh, I, I would agree so. So, you know, it sounds like you did a pretty good week. I guess I can go next. Yeah, sure. Okay. So for me this week, I think reflecting like on my week and writing down all the activities that I did, the best moments, like the moments when I felt the most fulfilled or in the moment is like when I had like actual in-person conversations with people or just, it's wouldn't be considered productive by, you know, work standards, but just being with people doesn't really matter the activity and just being with people and experiencing things that is probably like, like one of the most fulfilling things at least just like thinking about my week. Uh, and I was, and I was just like, I was just questioning, you know, if I don't find my work engaging, you know, I can't just like not do work. Like people need to do work to survive, but I don't, you know, necessarily find this engaging, but we kind of have to do it. You know what I mean? Should I just go ahead and just like give an example of uh, the AEIOU event? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Okay. Hmm. Let me think. Um, so yesterday, I had a day off. So I hung out with a couple of friends. I hung out with two friends from high school. So we met up for lunch and then we kind of just hung out in the afternoon. Um, okay. So the action. Yeah. We met up for lunch and then we went to South Coast just to just walk around, hang out. And then we went to, uh, we went to visit my brother at his work um, in Fullerton. So we drove like 30 minutes in traffic to Fullerton. It was pretty spontaneous. There was no reason to do it, but we were just bored. So that would be the action. The environment, I guess, like for the most part, you know, we were just in my friend's car, his Honda, Honda Civic, uh, just in traffic for like 30 minutes. And then the interaction, I guess, I guess like the highlights were not necessarily like South Coast Plaza or uh, visiting my brother at work. Like I felt like the best part of that experience was just, just talking to them about just my problems and my anxieties over things. And it was nice kind of just, you know, just talking to them and just helping me like think through it and stuff, kind of like what we do here, but less on a macro level, kind of just like smaller, smaller term problems, objects. We didn't really interact with anything, kind of just talked. What is user again? What does that mean? Yeah. So like who else was there and like what role did they play in making oh, your activity engaging? Okay. So I had one friend. Okay. So let's just say I was going through a problem, right? And I've, I've been thinking about a certain dilemma for a couple months now. I'm not going to get into it because it's kind of personal, but I was talking to it, talking to them about it and they they could relate to me, you know, cause like they went through a similar experience. And then my other friend didn't go through that experience. So he was like, man, I don't get it, man. Like, why do you guys want to keep want to talk about Why do you guys keep want to talk about this? And then my friend's like, no, nah, man, it's like, it's cause he can relate. So it was like a good bonding moment, being able to connect to people through like our hardships and stuff. So, like that was a highlight of my day. But now now that I say it out loud, it doesn't seem that significant to other people. It's just, it's significant to me, I guess. Yeah. And would you say like you were in a flow state at all? Um, I guess so. Yeah. 
um, like just con- contrasting it to like our conversations that we have on this podcast. I guess like if you were to define flow state as like complete engagement, time stands still, you can interpret that as you're in the moment and you're thinking about your present self. Okay, let's just think about it like that. Then I guess for the most part, yeah, because I was talking more about my problems with my present self right now and how I'm feeling right now versus like in this podcast where we're talking about the whole story of Daniel. So I guess, so I was in the flow state. Yeah, just a different type of flow state, not work related, but more human connection related. Yeah, totally. It's interesting that you bring that unique kind of flow state when interacting with people because like people talk about flow, it's typically really intense activity, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's you're grinding. But in terms of social interaction, I I feel as though people don't really talk about a flow state. But I I, I totally see what you mean by being in a flow state where time feels as though it stops from interacting with your friends. So I guess I just want to add also, as I get older, I kind of know who my friends are and are not. So someone asked me in a different interaction in the week, they asked me, like, what kind of qualities do you look for in a friend? And as I was thinking about it, I was like, it's like friends that I don't need to have small talk with, that I don't have to like do the, uh, the default answers. Oh, w- w- what are you up to? Like, w- what are you studying? What classes are you taking? It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much just, just small talk that people use just to, so there's no silence in the room. And I feel like I can just, like friends that I can just like, I don't need to talk to them, but like, I'm, I'm just like around them. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. So I think that kind of contributes also to, to flow state in that context. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Dan. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of stuff and try to further analyze each of those kind of moments in a little bit. But first, before that, David, do you want to go ahead and talk about your week? Yeah, so um, listening to your guys' week, God, dude, it seems like you guys had like a bunch of like moments. <laughs> now I'm thinking of my week and it's just like these little, little activities and I can't even really call them flow states, but I'll share them just because these are, I'll just share the moments in my week that were the highlights. So the for the f- past few weeks i've been trying to find some new hobbies because um my past favorite hobby or like my past go-to hobby was video games but recently these video games have been getting a bit more boring so a hobby i picked up this week was the guitar so recently i moved up with my friends and they own like four guitars so i started playing i started playing it and I found my two favorite chords right now. It's Where the D, D7 and A7. Oh, do you play jazz? Well, are those jazz chords? <laughs> those are, you know, you could play like blues chord progressions. If you learn G7, uh-huh. you can play a, a 12 bar blues. So <laughs> learn G7. G7, okay. Because yeah. like right now, those D7, A7, they don't require that many fingers, but... Um, they sound so good together. So I'm like, wow, this is nuts. Yeah. So when I, when I was like playing it, okay, I only know those two chords right now, but like I was like strumming like back and forth. I was like, wow, I'm starting, I'm starting to uh, learn a guitar. I would be playing video games in the past day or so, but here I am playing a guitar. I'm like, damn, I like this. I need to find more things like this. So then another what? hobby, or not another hobby, but another thing I found to do in my past time or my free time, 
is I started a notion for my journals. Dude, this is the first time I'm journaling. And I don't know if I like it per se, but I felt really productive doing it. And I think if I look back on it later on, I'll be like, wow, this is what I did today. And I think it'll be, it'll be helpful. And um, in terms of like personal interaction with other people, a highlight would be like there was a night where I was just hanging out with like other people outside of the house. Like they all came to our house and we kind of had like a, a kickback and we were just playing a lot of card games and we were like drinking a little bit. But what was like what made this event highlight for me was the next day we were going to get vaccines the COVID vaccine and we all signed up for like super early and the next day because we had a little too much fun the other night we we were pretty late to our appointment and <laughs> it was just it was just funny to see how like because we're li- because I was living with friends like I had no care that we were late for the appointment and we were all just late and we still got the vaccine and it's just like a memory to me it's just like because if I was a family, my family would have woken me up like, hey, you can't be late for this. You, you got to you gotta get in time. But because I was living with friends, it's just like, hey, whatever, we're all late. But, you know. We... It goes back to our values discussion. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> like punctuality, your family values being punctual. Oh, yeah. And then it's, it's less valued in, uh, in your other circle. So. I feel like being like less punctual though, or like not punctual to this event kind of made this event a little bit more memorable to me. Right on. So I feel like we all talked about kind of our highlights of the week, right? You guys, did you guys write anything about moments where you're just out of it, unengaged? Yeah. I had one. I had two circumstances, but you can go ahead. So yeah, I grabbed lunch with this person who I haven't talked to since like freshman year. I thought it would be a good idea to catch up. And then I was just so out of it. I, I was busy, right? I had all this other work to do. And I was just thinking about that the entire time. I was not engaged in the conversation as well. Um, and like, it just wasn't interesting. The stories that um, the other party was telling me, just having none of it. It just felt like a complete waste of my time. Not because of him, but because I chose to make it unengaging. That is, I was worrying about my other stuff in life, chose not to give like my full attention, not be concerned with the stuff. And yeah. I kind of wanted to just like dive into that a little bit about why you were unengaged. Yeah, thanks. Would you say the reason why it wasn't an engaging experience was just completely on you because you were worrying about that? I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Maybe like you guys just don't have, do you guys have like similar interests or are you guys just kind of different? different values no i mean i mean like i wouldn't say i was just totally out of it right like i I try my best to stay focused and like he is still someone i haven't like i haven't kept in touch with him but i would still say he's a good friend like we worked on projects freshman year so it's just nice hearing what he's been doing since then but like when he delved into the details of things right and just reminded me of all the stuff i have to do and then I just kind of thought about my own things. I was not there in the moment. Like physically I was there, but mm-hmm. mentally I was just in a different environment, I guess. So like the stuff that he was doing, like you kind of compared yourself to him and you're like, okay, I got to do, because he's doing this. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what I meant at all. I guess it was more like, oh, um, I think you had talked about like, like classes, right? 
I just start thinking about my own classes. I'm just like, oh shit, I have so much work for that. And then I have to do this. And I started like making a schedule for myself on the spot. I'm like, at the end of his story, I realized I didn't really listen to anything he really said because I was just trying to figure out how to plan out my week, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess it wouldn't be like low energy. It'd be low engagement. So other two. Is that is that something like you can just kind of just switch on and off? Just like, okay, just don't worry about my other commitments and just be present with this person. Like, is that is that possible to kind of just... Because that sounds like an easy change if like you identified it, but I don't know. Maybe like you're just, you guys just like, you guys were nice to each other, but like you don't necessarily weren't giving him like the energy because it just wasn't a very good, I'm just trying to figure out like why, what, why this specific interaction was uh, unengaging compared to your conversation with Lydia, because yeah, sure. um, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's just the, it's the personality clash or something. I don't know. So like, yeah. Why don't I just stop you here? Because I think we were going, I was planning to get into the details of all these stuff in right after, we, uh, right after this question. Is that okay? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is it, should I, should I uh, give Yeah. A, why don't you share your low lights then? Okay. Um. So I had two. So I told you guys, I started working at like at a clinic, like an, an, at an outpatient clinic. Uh, my friend Jeffrey helped me get the job there are some aspects of that work that are really interesting to me and kind of use the stuff I learned in school. And like, I can, I can see myself like working in like that field, but there's a lot of parts of that job that just seem very monotonous and very unengaging. Like, and I I can just feel myself just like shutting my brain off my uh, what's it called? Passive brain and turning my brain off, not thinking about anything and just click this button, print this out. It's a lot of just monotonous work and uh, time just goes by fast because like your brain's off and then you, next thing you know, like the day's over and you're like, what did I do the entire day? I literally just did simple tasks and I was checked out the whole day. So that sucked. But my second would probably be Zoom University. I'm not sure. Actually, I, I am sure. The reason why I was so unengaged is because in Zoom, you're taking class like at your desk and there's so many distractions at my desk. There's just like all these colorful things and things I can be like touching, like my my phone or I, I was playing like Bloons Tower Defense in lecture and uh, completely checked out. Um, I didn't learn anything and I'm pretty upset about myself for that. I, I used to be like a very star student and I would go to office hours every week and I would like ask, I would come with a bunch of questions just go above and beyond just because I was just curious. But now I kind of just feel like I'm just, just trying to finish it out, just get it over with. And I'm kind of upset about that. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the class structure. I think part of it has to do with like the class structure because everything's asynchronous. So um, it's just recorded. There's no interaction with the other students or the professors or TAs and stuff. So yeah, just Zoom University and, and my work. David? Dude, I'm like trying to think of like the low lowlifes. I can't really pinpoint anything. And what what this got me thinking was, am I just unengaged my entire life? Like, I don't know. I can't like really pinpoint a certain thing. Like, yes, Zoom is kind of unengaging for me too, but it's not like that different from like the like how I live. I I, I think like that that's what got me thinking right now. Like, David, mm. so can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, did you feel like this week just went by so fast or 
What do you, what do you think? Um, it went like a like a mid pace, not not too fast. Okay. Just why? Well, what does that does that um, reflect anything? I don't know because like we're uh, we're kind of getting sidetracked, but I, I kind of just want to make this point. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's already Saturday and it's like we're already recording the next podcast. Like, what did I do my entire week? I don't know. That's just feeling time retrospectively, I guess. I don't know if that had to do with anything. I mean, I just, I certainly feel like some days go by like super fast. Like, what the hell did I do? But this week, week as a whole, like a good pace. Mm -hmm. So I can't really pinpoint a low light for y'all. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think we can kind of talk about why you might feel that way, you know? So before we get into our next section, you guys mind if I read a little passage for you guys? Go for it. All righty. The wayfinding is the ancient art of figuring out where you are going when you don't actually know your destination. For wayfinding, you need a compass and you need a direction, not a map, a direction. Think of the American explorers, Lewis and Clark. They didn't have a map when Jefferson sent out to travel through the land acquired in the Louisiana Purchase and make their way to the Pacific. While wayfinding to the ocean, they mapped the route, 140 maps to be exact. Wayfinding your life is similar. There's no one destination in life. You can't put your goal into your GPS and get the turn-by-turn directions for how to get there. What you can do is pay attention to the clues in front of you and make the best way forward with the tools you have at hand. We think the first clues are engagement and energy. So from that passage, do you guys want to respond in any way? Comment anything you guys took away from that? Um, I feel like I resonate with wayfinding. In college, like I meet a lot of people and they're very headstrong and you know, very passionate about something that they've never actually done before. Cause like, okay, for example, like if it's like, okay, I want to uh, be a CEO of, of like this company. And I'm like, okay, how do you know you want that? You've never actually been in that position before. Like, how do you know, like, that's what you want to strive for? Like when, when people ask me like, what, what do you want to make of your life? I say, I have no idea. Cause like, I don't have that life experience yet, but maybe using this approach of, I guess like this past year, I have been thinking about that, like what I actually find engaging and using that limited information to make the best decision for myself right now. Maybe it's not the correct decision, but it will kind of just give me guidance on where the general direction I should follow. I like how wayfinding kind of states how you should make the best out of what you have right now. That's a fact a lot of people don't know where they're headed right now. But if you just like... With the, I think it says something about the tools and resources that are available to you. Like if you really use them to the best of your ability, that's like all you can do. And if you look back on it later, you'll be like, I did everything I could. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you guys nailed it spot on. The book actually tells a little anecdote about this guy named Michael who did civil engineering in college, found a good, decent job, found a wife, moved to her. To Amsterdam, found a decent job there, moved back with his new wife to LA, found a decent job there as well in civil engineering, and then found himself bored, miserable. And the point is that it wasn't that his major 
civil engineering had failed Michael. It was that he wasn't paying attention to his own life and that he, he knew that something wasn't working, that he wasn't aware that something wasn't working right. So in the moment, he thought things were okay. He had a wife, he had a steady job, but he wasn't paying attention to how things were panning out, what engaged him and what didn't. And so actually, one thing where I think this kind of diverges from what you said, David, is that you said that it's kind of about living in the moment, right? But if you listen to the story that the book tells you about Michael, Michael lived in the moment. He had a steady job. He found a, a wife and thought he was doing okay until one day he was really miserable, right? And I think the more important thing, the more important takeaway there was that you can be living in the moment, but you need to recognize why you are enjoying those things in the moment. Without that, and if you just live in the moment without putting it inside of a larger frame, you kind of lose track of what are the things in life that are of value to you. So in that kind of sense, I kind of want to do a deeper dive, just like Daniel kind of wanted to explore why I felt so disengaged from that lunchtime conversation. I don't want to look into why we felt so engaged in the moments we thought we did and why we felt so disconnected in the moments we felt un- uninterested, you know? So, um, Can I quickly respond? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Please. So wayfinding, um, you mentioned that, you know, you know, there's no direct path, but there's like a general direction and the key is engagement, right? I guess like maybe I was thinking about this concept the other way around. I was trying to find my direction first and then your destination like, first, you mean? Find my destination first. And like if I found that first, then I could find what is engaging to me and choose. Like in terms of like my professional career, like I've just been kind of waiting for life to to um push me in a direction. So I kind of just been paralyzed and have kind of just been putting putting off a decision on what I should pursue it as a career. And I think that all boils down to, you know, waiting for waiting to find the direction. And I guess because maybe I wasn't paying attention to what was engaging to me until like a couple months ago. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big flaws that we didn't recognize in our earlier podcasts is that the reason why we felt so paralyzed sometimes is that we were too focused on belief on the end of the fig tree. Shout outs to the fig tree making a cameo again. But uh, yeah, we we're too focused on the le- leaves on this fig tree and not on the branches on the fig tree, right? We really talk about this engagement and energy. It's kind of a direction on this tree, right? That we don't know fully why, but we are drawn to that part side of that tree. So I guess what this book is kind of hinting at is that it's okay if you don't know what the final leaf looks like. As long as you know roughly where you want to head towards, be okay. And more importantly, or more valuably, why you want to go towards that branch. If you know that, then you can kind of extrapolate based on the direction you're going and figure out, predict other future directions because you understand the reason why you like that direction so much. So, yeah, I guess it's still a lot harder than, than how it sounds. Yeah, of course. For me, I feel like there's so many potential paths I can take, and I like aspects of each one. And I mm-hmm. feel like if I commit to to something, 
then I'm kind of closing myself off to the benefits of the other paths. And I think that's why it's, it's also been kind of hard to uh, choose a branch. Yeah. Okay. So, but wouldn't you argue? So, sorry, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a sec. But wouldn't, wouldn't one argue that if you're afraid to restrict, so your main concern is that you're afraid that you might restrict yourself from doing something you actually like in life. But if you do figure out what things keep you engaged and what keeps you energized, just keep aiming towards that. Wouldn't that still lead you to the global optima or what? you like and what you don't is there a so i guess what i'm asking is is there a case where you follow what engages you and what keeps you at a high level of energy but it still keeps you away from the stuff you like is that is there a case like that i I would say so for example let's just say like someone they want to pursue graduate school or um, like a professional school and a result of that is you have to take out student loans and if you don't pursue something in that in that field like like you get your degree or whatever and you don't pursue something in that field you're kind of like chained to something in there because you need to pay loans or for example you know that the job that you you choose requires a lot of time and effort for you and that kind of restricts you from from interacting with with your friends and family that you also find engaging you find both interactions engaging but uh there's a a, a drawback in like requirements for for your interactions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. The other really degenerate case I was thinking about is a case where you just do drugs because that's what engages you and keeps you at a high level of energy. And then that keeps you from doing what you really like to do in life. You know, I think that would be the most degenerate case of. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I wasn't thinking about that. (laughs) I think that's just the simplest case, isn't it? I feel like drugs, they just make you unengaged. Like if, like if you're high or something. But I guess what really I meant. On, mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really focus on anything. Well, I guess it, it does keep you at a high level of energy, right? Like you do amphetamines. I don't know. I, I, I don't take drugs. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to take drugs to know that so, amphetamines keep you at a high level of energy. You know this. You're, you okay. take your bio major. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think but, what the problem is, is that if you're too focused on the local, it's kind of like, I'm going to get too in-depth in this, but it's kind of like gradient descent and finding the op global minimum on a, <laughs> like a hypersurface. Like there are cases where you can get stuck in a local minimum, right? And the local minimum in our case would be the drugs. You optimize, you head towards it because that is, from what you can see, the best thing that keeps you at a high level but in actuality, by heading towards it, you don't approach global optimum. Sorry, that's <laughs> that's like complex math, I guess. Yeah, David, I think I feel like you were going to say something. Yeah. So, so is that like kind of similar to like ranking the branches? Kind of like with the like, there's a branch that's like the most important thing we want to like with the branch resembling like reasons why we do certain things. Is there like a way we could like rank these branches? So. If if we're like a, trying to pursue a certain leaf, but then it it doesn't allow us to like go on another like more important branch. Yeah, um, I guess like I haven't even been considering leaves yet. Oh, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out my branches, but yeah, I, I am trying to rank my branches. And the reason why it's so difficult to rank these branches for me at least is because I recognize that I have limited information. 
on each branch because I don't have the experience in each one. I, I understand some drawbacks from at the surface level, but I, I can't really see all the benefits and drawbacks for each. And that's why it's hard to make a decision. That's why it's hard to rank for me. You know what's interesting? I feel as though I might disagree with this book in this front. That if you follow what engages you and what keeps you at a high level of energy, I feel as though you can fall into these local optimas, never approach your true op- global optima. Let me try to explain what I mean by that. Can you, can you define local optima again? Yeah, I mean that from the same definition from a mathematical standpoint, where the global optimum is a, is a max or minimum value that a function can take on at all points on its domain. And then local optima and minima. Optimas are max and min values restricted to some range oh, on the okay. domain. Okay. Okay. So just completely using a mathematical definition for a totally non-mathematical concept. But I think this mathematical framework does serve a good purpose in trying to explain certain topics with this. And I think I come from a machine learning background and in machine learning, what a machine learning, what an AI tries to do is it tries to maximize your objective. So it will make decisions based on things that will maximize whatever task you're trying to accomplish. So if you're trying to, let's say your task is to discriminate between cats and dogs, right? Your AI model is going to try and get better and better at minimizing its error on classifying dogs and cats incorrectly, right? And so if I kind of approach this framework from that standpoint, if we try to design our lives as though we were that AI model, taking local... So the way AIs kind of uh, solve this problem is approach called gradient descent. When it does, it takes the direction that greatly minimizes this loss function, right? And so in the same way, that's the same thing that this book is trying to suggest. Take the steps that maximize your level of engagement and energy. But there are cases where the AI can fall into uh, pitfalls where it gets stuck on a local minimum and never converges to the true optimum, the optimal solution, the potential of the AI, you can say. And in the same way, that'd be the same for us. We never accomplish our true potential because by following our local thoughts of what our engagement energy are, we get to this local optimum and we never reach our full potential. Sorry, that was me kind of going through. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, if if you're super into like lifting weights, you you want to become like a professional bodybuilder, but then like, you know, I don't know, you you might damage your body with roids or something. Would would that be like, (laughs) like a real life example or something? I feel as though it's close. Model. I feel I think it's more like you do gymming and then you get super obsessed into it, but your life could have been just more than a gym, bro. Mm-hmm. I think that's the more closely and uh, analogous example. You know that video you sent about like natural selection and like growing, like was it the human? I said that. Yeah. Primer? Yeah. The primer yeah. video. Huh. The primer video? Yeah, yeah, the primer video. It had something about, there was a section in the video where um, like humans were like, the humans who could um, go fastest to the food, like with the speed, the fastest, 
they were the ones reproducing, but as a whole for the population of humans, it was bad just because um, they weren't able to produce as fast. So is it, is it, is that kind of similar? Like in the, like the local minima being like, Oh, they could produce the, like they can get to the food the fastest, but as a whole, the population, it, it's like bad. Yeah. The concept's the same. Okay. The concept's the same. It's, that sounds like the tragedy of the commons kind of problem where if everyone does their game optimal objective, then it leads to the downfall of all. And that's the tragedy of the commons, right? Um, kind of different from how AIs actually work, but yeah, I guess the same kind of logic applies. Um, I think sorry, we got was, sidetracked. Where yeah, I think we, we got sidetracked. Where were we in our conversation? Let's go back to our topic of trying to figure out why we like the stuff we did and why we didn't like the stuff we didn't. Um, so let's start off with Dan. Let's try to analyze things that engage Dan and let's try to figure out why Dan felt so engaged when he was just talking with his friends. So are we going to use the a a a e i o u model? I think it's a good way to break it down, but it doesn't, it, Actually, no, that is actually a pretty good way to keep track of things because if you can find trends across the EIOU, right? Let's say you are you have a propensity towards one kind of environment. You have a propensity of one kind of user. You can kind of extrapolate that and see that you like activities that involve a particular kind of user or a particular kind of environment, you know? So nice. Um, yeah. So let's just use that. So um, I think part of the reason why I enjoyed this interaction was because these people are not part of my immediate family. And I've known these people since elementary and middle school, right? So when I talk to them, part of me that comes out is kind of like kind of like my true self. If you if you go back to like our marbles thing, it's kind of like I take out the marbles that kind of that truly re- resemble me. You know, I don't have to put up a front. I don't have to do the small talk dance thing. I can kind of just say what's on my mind and, and you know, be myself. Maybe that's why I was engaging. I feel like that's not a, that's not a breakthrough. I feel like that's kind of a cliche answer. I'm trying to think about how to hear this conversation because that is the essence of what i want to talk about i don't want it to just be like us like oh i like this yeah i agree this. Yeah, i yeah, like yeah, this yeah. because of this you know yeah like i guess I I, this. I, I, mm-hmm. sorry go ahead I, I guess i understand why i enjoy the things i enjoy mm-hmm. i kind of have a good grasp on that i think what i my problem is is that i can't just prioritize hanging out with friends gotta get a job <laughs> you know and I, I feel like i need to put more effort into like my professional side and i need to find things engaging in in like the corporate world or whatever well i feel as though enjoyment is a guide for finding the right work for you enjoyment mm-hmm. figuring out what you so this stolen from the book enjoyment is a natural device for you to figure out what kind of work is suitable for you so maybe the fact that you don't enjoy what you are actually doing is a hint that that is not the right work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm just a little hesitant because, you know, like every job I've ever had, has I've felt like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. This job is less. It's less disengaging compared to 
my previous job. But I don't know. I, I kind of have been just getting used to the notion that maybe work is just kind of like this. Inherently like that? Inherently like this. Like there's or maybe part of the mm-hmm. job where, you know, like you just got to turn your brain off and, and push a button. Um, yeah. And I think that's when you lose. I think that's when you lose to the masses because that's how the masses feel like and they don't get the opportunity to feel as though their work is something that truly engages them. Mm-hmm. What if I feel as though that kind of thought maybe comes around because of a of an assumption that many things should be the right work for you when in actuality it's only a very slim subset of all the different kinds of work you can do that truly engages you and as a result because you haven't been exposed to that small subset of work that truly engages you you have this preconceived notion that work is an inherently boring task yeah i kind of like that yeah maybe i just have not been exposed to i feel like that's so hard to like realize though with like like theoretically that's nice like to find like what you enjoy but like in actuality like you have like a certain amount of time you got to find a job and you have to you have to like at a certain age support yourself and i feel like a lot of people just like succumb to that like you just accept that um like with the work they do like it can't be satisfying because they just like don't have the time or the leisure to find the the things that they actually like can enjoy i might even argue that those people who do that, okay, there are circumstances where they truly cannot find the time to figure out what, in the, what the right work for them is. But if it is your life's mission to figure out what that is, I think anyone can do that. I think if you set your mind to do that, you, you set aside time to really explore what you really like, you are willing to give up a couple hours of your sleep couple hours of your video game time, a couple hours of every day to just dedicate your focus on figuring out what kind of work is right for you. I think that is possible. I don't think that is an infeasible task. I think it's because people's priorities are somewhere else that this long-term goal and objective of theirs to find what work is right for them. As we mentioned, the procrastination thing, right? Things farther away, goals that are farther away don't feel as important to us than goals that are in the short term, right? This is a very long-term goal for us to figure out what kind of work is right for us, but we never achieve it because it's such a long-term scale task. Yeah, I think um, a huge thing that plays part in like people not realizing they're like, or finding joy in their work, finding their ideal work is once people start their career, I feel like a lot of people don't want to restart that. And that could stop a lot of people from finding what they actually enjoy. Because like, let's say you put in like four years of college education to one major, but then you realize you don't like it. But then that means like if you if you want to or on your way to finding the, the job that you like, then you have to restart your college education. And that could, yeah, that, that could be like a barrier. Yeah. And that's the reality of it, right? I think it's only those select few who are willing to really figure out what kind of work is right for them that will put in the time to do so. At that point, you've resigned to the fact that you're going to be stuck with that job and you're not going to change that job. But if you are really motivated, I'm, what I'm saying is you're going to pivot. You're going to find a second job in life. If that is something that is important to you, if it isn't, then you aren't going to change your job. This is all to say that, Dan, my point earlier was that 
if you really strongly feel that way about you want to find what work is right for you and the work you've found thus far hasn't been as engaging as you wish it would be, then you will put in the time to figure out what is the right work for you until at some point you get tired of putting that effort or your priorities change. Okay. I feel like I'm going to have to just disagree, slightly disagree with you on that point that like, if you find the work unengaging and like, you should just look for something else because I don't know, like, I think the work that is just unengaging for me is like, like the micro decisions that I have to make, like, like all the, like the paperwork I have to do or all the phone calls I have to make, like all that stuff is just, is just annoying. And like, that's why they hire 20 year olds to do that kind of stuff. (laughs) You know, like, I feel like you have to, you have to grind and you have to struggle and do all the BS work when you're young Mm -hmm. to like actually get to the, to what you want to do, you know? Like you have to build up margin or whatever. Isn't that proving my point though? Because you don't enjoy that. You are willing to put in the effort to grind to something that you actually are willing to enjoy, something that you will enjoy in life. Like the other other kind of work that you enjoy, you're willing to put in the work right now at a younger age, even though you don't like it, to get away from it as much as possible, you know, because it doesn't enjoy you. Okay. It's a question. Doesn't it... Does it not prove it or is there something more to that not understanding? I guess like I misinterpreted your point where you're just like, you know, find some some other work if you find this work unengaging, I guess. But yeah, I think just the BS stuff, that's what really turns me off from a lot of career opportunities. Just like I just see the negatives and stuff and it, it kind of just scares me away thinking, you know, there's got to be something else out there that... Yeah, for sure. But I feel like... Every every job's gonna have this BS stuff, and I don't know. Still trying to figure it out. When you when I said that statement that enjoyment is a guide to finding the right work for you, would you say there's any flaws with that statement? Enjoyment. Enjoyment is a guide. Finding the right work for you. Right work for you. Yeah, like if you enjoy things that are not economically valuable, like if you if you like when you're playing chess or something. But like, you know, only a very small percentage of people can actually make a living off playing chess. You know what I mean? It's like you're just prioritizing things that just are not valuable by like societal standards. Um, but like if, if you prioritize something that, you know, makes a lot of money, then that, that works fine. But like if you, if you like art or whatever. Wait, John, you can you say the enjoyment yeah. is the guide to finding a right job. Find the right work for you. So how they contrast it is they have a section called dysfunctional belief. Work is not supposed to be enjoyable. That's why they call it work. Reframing that dysfunctional belief as enjoyment is a guide to finding the right work for you. I don't know. Because like in our previous podcasts, I feel as though we kind of loosely agreed with the statement that work is not supposed to be enjoyable. And that's why they call it work. I think we had a conversation about how if you Twitch stream because you enjoy it, at some point it's going to become a job and it's going to become boring. I think we talked about this before, right? But what this what this book is saying is that that is a dysfunctional belief. It's not going to serve any purpose. Rather, you need to frame it as though enjoyment is your compass to figuring out what you want to do to get to where you want to be, you know? And I don't think this also contradicts our statements about hobbies and work itself. 
maybe work is a means to fulfilling your hobbies, right? That statement I feel as though still holds up because because you enjoy your hobbies, it is guiding you to do your work so that you can fulfill your hobbies that you enjoy. Isn't this you kind of like too like optimistic kind of like Yeah, what can you elaborate? Where do you think it's too optimistic? Like you can't just base your work on like finding joy. Like in reality the world doesn't really give a shit about like what you find happiness in. I mean they do, but like that's not everything. Like money is a huge factor. There's like other I'm like trying to think of other facts, but like money is like the first thing that comes up. But like you can't just do something or you can't just like get a job or you can't just base your job off something like you enjoy. Like that's like that can't be the only thing you consider. And like, well, with, I other, feel, mm-hmm. and like with other considerations, it can like it could like make you get a job that you don't like enjoy. I feel as though that's also not what the quote, like, I don't think the quote is contradicting that either. It's just saying that it is a guide to finding the right work for you. I don't think it's saying anything about the work that you need to do. I don't think there it's saying anything about a relationship between, okay, here's your things that you need to do because you need a, you have a family and you have to raise them. You have to put food on the table. I don't think it's saying anything about that. Rather it's saying that, if you want to find the right work for you, figuring out what you enjoy in life is the first step. Because what you're saying is absolutely true because the work that you need to do in order to get the money might not be the right work for you. And that makes sense because you're not placing your values in what you are engaged in and what you're enjoying in as a factor to that decision. Wait, can we, can we define right work? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about right work. I guess, Dan, do you want to take a stab at it? Sure. Right work is like the requirements of the work fulfill your your skill set or your personality. Okay, so right work isn't like like the work that... I think there's a very big difference between right work and the work that you need to do to make a living. I think right work is referring to it aligns with your values and principles in life as well as it gives meaning mm-hmm. purpose you know okay so like if one's value is like supporting their family then then the right work would be based off like money rather than like their joy then oh that's interesting let me think about that so if the right work is yeah. go ahead. um i actually i wanted to bring like i wanted to talk about that i had an example so for example you know i really enjoy you know teaching and like learning how to learn things. And I find that stuff really interesting and it's fulfilling work to me. It's very engaging to like work with people about that. But I don't think I want to be like a teacher, you know, just just thinking about the financial aspects of that. And although it, it might be, it might look like the right work, there are other factors that overlap. Their values, values overlap. And like you need to, that's why the the decision is so difficult because there's so many factors to consider like lifestyle but would you say that your enjoyment of educating others did not play a role in guiding what you did like what your what you think your right job is it definitely is guiding me i want some of that in my career but i just feel like i can incorporate that into a lot of different career paths that doesn't necessarily need to be in a classroom yeah exactly 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think what we are mistaking this thing, this thing is the right work for you needs to be enjoyable. I don't think that's what this is saying at all. I think what it's saying is figuring out what engages you and what you find enjoy, uh, joyful that can steer you towards the right goal. Just like Dan just said, like teaching is not the job and maybe like, but what it did do is help Dan realize that there are aspects to educating others that he enjoys and would like to see those same aspects in the eventual work that he will do, you know? So there's that very strong distinction that we need to be careful of. It's not saying the first one. Yeah, I agree with the most part about that statement. Do you think just from the past week, we can interpolate what kind of aspects we would look for in the right work for us based on what engaged us and what didn't this past week? Sure. Uh, I'll let Dave go first. I feel like I've been talking too much. Oh, based off the AI, AI, E-I-O-U, like finding like work. Uh, hmm. I think user is very important and like object. I think the more users I interact with rather than objects, it's, it's, um, so it's like, uh, something I would enjoy more. So more people I interact with rather than just being on a computer or machine. I'm trying to think of the activity too right now. What does it mean by structured and unstructured activity? Yeah. Like if you have an itinerary for something, Ah, okay, the first hour we're going to do this, the next hour we're going to do this versus what do you want to do? Today? I don't know. What do you, what do you want to do today? There we go. Yeah. Can I Can I try? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I haven't been thinking about this the past week. I feel like I've been thinking about this the last like two years. <laughs> um, so how do I want my life to... What do I want my life to look like? I guess, you know, I just want to, I still want to incorporate being a student and, you know, learning every day, trying to learn something new every day, picking up new hobbies, trying new things. Uh, And I want to also be able to be good at at something, good enough at something where I'm able to teach it and provide value to people who are also like pursuing that stuff and inspiring them to continue on. So learning and teaching is one of like my biggest values in life, I guess. I really value human interaction. I like uh, making human connections and, and experiencing things with people. So I want to be able to continue to work on my relationships with friends and family, try to increase my network and all my different hobbies and, and facets of my life, you know, be a more personable person. Uh, and then you know, adding on to the interaction aspect. I was thinking about my scope, uh, you know, how I want to affect the world or how I want to like leave the world when, when I'm gone. And, you know, I really value working with like people I can meet face to face. So I kind of want a more, you know, micro view of the world. I don't need to, I don't need to, you know, change the world on a large scale. I kind of just want to be beneficial to, you know, my community, I guess. At least for right now, I feel like values change all the time. These values might might change, and I might pick some up, might be modified a little bit. That's that's generally what my life. I want my life to look like. You think um, your career path right now would lead you to work 
that aligned with those values that you mentioned. Same question goes for David. I'm just going to say, uh, I think so for the most part. It's tough right now because I'm just starting out, only 21 years old. I don't really know all the ins and outs of this career path that you know, I'm probably going to pursue, but I, I hope so. I guess what I'm worried about is um, will this career path affect me having time to pursue my hobbies and continue on to spend time with the people I care about, I guess. But I don't know. That's what I worried about. With all the careers, can't you make them like more aligned to your values though? Like even if they don't like align too much, you can like put an effort and then make it align more. I feel like I think with my career path, with, um, yeah, I think, I think it really depends on like what I do with my career. Like, if I'm just like a, someone who just like gets my work done and have the perspective of, oh, this is work, you know, this sucks. It's got to get this over with. Then yeah, it won't align with like what I value. But if I put in the effort and, and like try to make it align to everything, like since I value like interactions a lot and something I didn't mention before is I think activity wise, I value or I, I like unstructured where things happen kind of spontaneously and every day is kind of different. So if I just like make my career more oriented toward those values, yeah, I think I think they'll be a perfect match, honestly. Can you give me an example of how you can you know, change accounting? So so I, I see your what you mean by values in terms of what you like value interpersonally. Mm-hmm. But how about like self-values? Self-values? Is that even possible? Can you can you make accounting reflect the values that you have like in life? Like when you you want to, I guess I don't even know what I'm asking when I ask this fully. Pretend this question never happened. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good question. Like um I feel like one of David's values, I don't want to speak for David, but like I feel like one of his values is like financial security and being able to fund his life so he can do what he wants to do. And I feel like accounting Mm -hmm. provides him that, you know, like an income, a stable income benefits and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm I'm just like trying to think of like examples of where like my, my self values would not align with accounting and how I could like change that. But like, mm, maybe like a living in the moment, you can't really live in the moment with like keeping the books, but then, with accounting there's other like sides other like there's a lot of aspects of accounting and one of them is like meeting with clients and then maybe in, when meeting with clients i could like live in the moment but while i'm bookkeeping yeah i can't live in the moment i gotta look back in the past but like there's always like little things in the job there's a lot of aspects to it where i think out there's at least one thing that i could somehow align to my self-value if that answers your question john yeah, I think it does. I think I want to start wrapping up here. So do you want to go ahead week? and do you want to go ahead and um, describe what your values are and oh yeah, how they align sure. to your projected path? Career path? Yeah, yeah. I guess I've been really asking these questions without really having an answer about my own life. Financial independence is definitely one. I want to be a way more prominent community figure later on in my life. So giving back to my community is something I intend to do and do you mean like what, what do you mean by that like do you mean 
not a politi- office position. No, not an office position, but like either that's through church, right? So taking yeah. more active roles, volunteering church or whatever, NGOs, nonprofits, something like yeah. that, I guess. In those kind of manners. I guess that's something I value. Um, and like the non-self value that like David was talking about, like how I want to be. I also, I think another big value is I want to, I really, as Dan kind of touched upon, there are things about teaching that I too value as well. While it may not be teaching directly, but that feeling of when you enabled another individual and is a very empowering feeling, you know, both to the person who just learned the concept as well as to the teacher who is able to convey that knowledge properly. So that is a value that, that I have. And figuring, I think my career path is just super open-ended because software engineering itself does not accomplish any of those if you think about it, right? Software engineering as it by itself only helps the company that you work for, you know? It only helps you financially. So I guess step one, it helps me in the financial independence side, but it doesn't help me with the other two. And I think that is something that I would have to look for outside of my career. That is maybe once I reach financial independence, I get a different job. I pivot career paths to something that can actually foster that, you know, that, that would make more sense in my life. Yeah. Awesome. So with that, I guess one thing I kind of want to ask you guys to do until next week is like keep this kind of good time journal going as much as you can. But I want you guys to um, this time note. So what they did on the good time journal is they have like on the energetic scale, they have like a little rush, like a little check mark. Like were you so engaged to the point where you experienced flow, right? So I want to talk about, I don't want to talk about this. Like I don't want to do the same routine of us going through like, oh, here's what got me engaged and here's what didn't. But if there was a moment that put you in flow, I want to talk about it, right? It does, we don't have to be talking about this per se next week, but if this next week or the following week or the following following week, you experience that kind of super high level of engagement, let's talk about it, you know? Let's try to look at why we felt that way. I think that'd yeah. be very good. We can definitely do a, a whole podcast on concentration or something because i i also have been thinking about that okay we sure devote a whole podcast maybe um, either next week or two weeks or three weeks or something sure cool you guys have any insights this week just to wrap it up one insight is um what, what is that called the dunning dunning kruger effect yeah dunning kruger effect it's my whole life philosophy bro that's my answer <laughs> to everything i'm not that well informed on the topic so i can't make a decision i say that all the time <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what is that Dunning Kruger effect? Oh, I'm not. I'm not credible to talk about it, David. You should. Sh- okay. Based <laughs> was that on like, a meta joke? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> was that like an example? Well, yeah, that was an example, yeah. but Dan didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, I just got it. It's it's kind of like the more you learn about something, the more you realize you don't know about it. Uh, okay. Like when I took organic chemistry, like the more I, I learned about it, the more helpless I felt because it was just. Oh my god, it's so cool! But I'm such a small fish. Okay, got it. Yeah, what about the Dunning Kruger effect? Oh, that it's just a 
I think I saw more and more cases of it this week, and I just wanted to bring it to um, people who weren't aware of this effect. So we already got one here. The more you know. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to tell people about the Dunning-Kruger effect and its existence. My insight of the week, I started watching a lot of nature videos. So I had a public speaking assignment. I had to write a speech. I wrote it about narwhals. So I just started watching a bunch of videos on nature documentaries. And the nature is wild, man. I was watching this video about baboons and like, there's like an alpha male, right? And then it all is boiled down to like, if who gets to mate? <laughs> and it's all evolutionary driven. And it's like, I'm like, damn, dude, can we apply this to human interaction and like our behaviors and our decisions? Can we, is this all boiled down to who gets to pass down their genes or not? I don't know. Makes me feel small. But yeah, check, isn't check that it out. Like, sure. Yeah, isn't that like the whole point of like evolutionary psychology? Like why the way we think exists because of evolutionary. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of makes you makes you wonder like what is what even is free will? But I'm not gonna get into that. That's uh, I don't know anything about that. I I don't know enough to make an informed decision, but. Baboons are, are whack. They're actually crazy. What about you, David? Dude, the placebo effect is crazy. <laughs> what happened was dude, this this week or so I've been living in this house and in our backyard, we have a tree. This whole time I thought it was a lime tree because the, the fruits are green. So like I, I've ate it a couple of times. Dude, it tasted like a lime. Dude, and I come back during springtime. They're yellow. They're actually, I actually have a lemon tree. And then I open it, dude, it tastes different. It's crazy. Is it ripe? Right. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> maybe that's why. <laughs> or maybe not, it's not the placebo effect, but I, I, okay, my insight is I have a lemon tree, not a lime tree in my back. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great place to end it. You want to take us home, David? Say the outro. Yeah. Um, so thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Um, wait, what else is there? Do we say sponsors? Wait, what do we usually say? We don't have sponsors. Just just take us, say whatever. All right. Um, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. This week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week. See you Bye. Next see you next time. <laughs>